my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Airs. I'm Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy International Accounting Day, Joe. All right, well, to help them make the bean counters happy, this is episode number 247. I counted every single one. Coming up on today's show, lots to cover today, as it's been a few weeks, and a lot has happened. Yeah. EPT Monte Carlo happened, including a super high roller and a main event that broke the seal for a massive country's first live EPT main trophy. Also, my mom was a part of the action, and uh, I have a little bit more to share about how her slash my trip to France went, and we are currently through the second of four weeks of Scoop Correct. broadcasts. So there's about 70 tournaments. That's an under. It's more than that, right? Oh, it's closer to like 130. Yeah. Okay. Uh, luckily, only four of them that we have streamed. But Howard Swain's of the Poker Stars blog is going to be here to help us sift through some of that. And uh, our real guest this week, no offense to Howard, is Tobias Lechness. And he has gotten a quite an impressive scoop resume. He did a little moan on Twitter about his 10 runner-up finishes and then bang, he wins one, yeah, uh, not just his first one. Exactly. He'd already won three of them. I guess you've got three firsts and ten seconds. You, you'd rather those numbers be flipped. But, yeah, he's not really in a position to complain. Yeah, so he's on the show today, and I'm going to do a little moan about how I never win at Superfan versus Stapes, hopefully. Because <laughs> I have a lot of runner-up finishes. That's true, you do. Superfan super versus Stapes. Uh, the Superfan <laughs> is Jordan McKnight. He is going to quiz me on the history of the NBA. Look, if it's about the Lakers, 1980 to 1981, I'm now an expert on that because I watched a highly fictionalized show on HBO. <laughs> yeah, They changed so much about this show, by the way, about from history that I was surprised. I did finally finish out this season. Turns out the Lakers did still win in well, the f fictionalized version. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that I can understand how you can dramatize certain things, but... That would be really ridiculous if you started changing the outcome of the season. I feel like I would love to just have a sit down with Adam McKay and be like, was this real or was this real? Was this real or was this real? Because I'm like so curious now, like because apparently he changed a bunch of stuff that didn't even need to be changed. Like huh. Kareem wrote a, a blog saying the truth was really interesting. I don't know why they changed this much stuff. Um, I know that you haven't seen it yet, James. Have you started the new season of Barry yet will be my next question. I have. So there are two shows I'm currently watching. I am watching yeah. Barry and I'm watching Better Call Saul. And normally I am not the kind of person who watches a show as it airs week to week. But with yeah. Better Call Saul, I will to. literally watch it first thing on a Tuesday because it's that good. It's not that I'm worried about it being spoiled because I don't spend significant time on social media. That's how I manage to keep my wits about me. Um, it's more <laughs> the fact that I just love it so much. And in some ways, I'm sad that it's coming to an end. But in other ways, I just am so happy that this show exists. And if you think about it, Joe, this actually defies everyone's expectations. Because what do they say about prequels? Well, I mean, I say that specifically. I uh, I don't know how many people say it. I fucking hate prequels. Of course. I think that they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're this they're, is the exception that proves the rule, though. Well, it it's an exception in two levels, right? Not only is it a prequel, but it's a spinoff featuring a supporting character. Those are two yeah. things that never, ever work. And this does both brilliantly. And the fact that there's still genuine tension about 
what's going to happen with certain plots and what's going to happen with certain characters when we've already seen five seasons of what happens after this show just speaks volumes to how good the writing is in this. Also, I'm a little worried now. I've mentioned this before that the show is kind of it's it's a slow burn to begin with. And this season, I feel like is one of the slowest, not in a bad way, um, because the, the show is like so robust in general. It doesn't really matter. What I'm worried is that Vince Gilligan is like fucking brutal, right? Like he's unforgiving to like when he decides that something's going to happen. And I'm really worried that whatever is like whatever's the storm that's being built to is going to be like emotionally jarring for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I want to get your take on Barry, though, because Barry is a show where the main character would dip in and out of being likable, right? Like you'd be super, super likable and then do something awful. And then this season so far, he's really awful. Um, I am two episodes in and I'm not actually enjoying it that much. And yeah, it's it's very, very it's like it's too it's almost too dark. Yeah, it's um, also just lost that fun dynamic. And I think that the reality of having this guy who's a hitman who doesn't want to be a hitman anymore and is going to these acting classes hosted by the Fonz um, was a really neat concept. But now that class no longer exists. The Fonz knows who he is. Um, his girlfriend's now got her own TV. It, the, the whole dynamic has shifted. And again, a throwback to the show that made Henry Winkler famous. I feel the shark has been jumped. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if they're going to get it back or not. I just I keep hoping that they're like driving towards something. Um, and the acting performances are still like insanely good on the show. Are. But it's lost but something. Yes, though. everyone. Everyone being so disparate and apart from each other, you're right. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of doesn't have the, the any joy to it at the moment. Uh, you know, I don't go to the cinema that much, Joe, but I did get to see Doctor Strange. Um, and I guess we'll have a chance to talk about that once you've seen it, because it's one of those movies that's impossible to talk about without spoiling the experience. Um, and I am going to the cinema on Saturday. I will finally see everything everywhere all at once. And so I guess... I'll watch that. You watch Doctor Strange, and then we'll have two films to talk about. I should be able to see it in the next week, hopefully. Yeah, it's been it's been busy with travel and scoop and everything. Um, I hope I didn't oversell it too much. I know that I did that with uh, Spider Verse. You were like, "Yeah, it was it was pretty good." Maybe you oversold it. So, uh, real quick, I saw uh, last night. I saw a very stupid movie, which it wasn't that stupid. The Lost City of D with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. I know it looks really dumb. I watched it. Perfectly enjoyable rom-com adventure movie. Uh, I do recommend it. Okay. Okay. Uh, quick shout out to some of the uh, Pike community on Discord who have been recommending movies and TV shows. Thank you to Mex Hedrum, Shum Cooley, NSU Dogs, and Steve Poker 26 to name but four. And Obviously, we would love you guys to join the conversation, whether it's about the podcast itself, about poker, or the other stuff that we talk about on this show. Uh, a link to the PokerStars Discord server is in the podcast description. So we do have a lot to get through this week, and I figure we should probably go in chronological order. So before we get to Scoop, let's draw a line under EPT Monte Carlo 2022.
Is it just me, or does it feel like an eternity that we were in Monaco? It was early this month, and I feel like it was several months back. A lot has happened between uh, then and now, so I guess it's probably best to, to start at the beginning of all of that. Yes. Which was the super high roller, right? Am I... No, wait, was that... Was that the first thing we did? It, it was, was the right? first thing we did, Joe, yes. Okay. As I said, it seems like a long time ago, so our memory is fading. Uh, we did stream five days. First of all, I think, you know, we've said this a few times, well, we said it on the streams from the event, and we've said it on the Scoop streams since. It was an absolute delight to go back. It was great to be covering live poker again. We commented at the time that the days were long. It was quite a punishing broadcast schedule for us. But fortunately, the novelty of covering live poker is a long way from wearing off. So, yeah, the first day was the Super High Roller final table. We very much joined this at the end, the final six players playing down to a winner. And no shock to see a player of Adrian Mateos' caliber earn himself another trophy, another huge seven-figure score, and just own that table, just as he owned it when he sat on that stage in 2015 and won the main event. Yeah, you know, it was kind of, you know, everything with there having been a big break in live poker, a big break in going to Monte Carlo. I think that if we had sat and watched, you run the risk uh, of of getting jaded uh, when you're in the poker world. And if we had had no break and we had watched Adrian Mateos win a bunch of live tournaments over the last three years, um, maybe we we would have been a little bored by this win or a little bit less excited. But to come back out of the gate and see a guy who many regard as the best player in the world uh, take on one of the toughest fields in the world and do it with such such style, right? He's just got such a great style um, as a player now. He's really come into – we've watched this kid grow up. Right. It's been seven years. He was like in his early 20s, I think, when he won the main event. So, you know, seeing him grow up and seeing him turn into like the poker playing man and to win this first super high roller we covered back after a long break, it really just worked like the whole thing worked the way it was supposed to. I agree. I agree. Uh, By the way, I realized that I said we'd go in chronological order. The night before that Super High Roller final table, there was a party, Joe, and we got to go to the party. That's what I was... I couldn't remember if that had happened first or that night after Amadi won. So, yeah, the night before... Look, we have a weird experience with Monte Carlo and parties. Every time there was a party, James and I would be like, cool, we're going to go to the party. Think, eh, work gets in the way. Eh, work gets in the way. And how did we figure out how to make sure we went to the party this time? We worked at the party. <laughs> it was a short and, I would say, reasonably surreal gig uh, where we had to commentate on a marble race that decided who, out of the first 50 people who arrived at the party, was going to win one of these red spade passes, which is uh, a luxury experience to go and see the Monaco Grand Prix uh, later this month. Uh, but The rest of the time, we were able to relax, and it was nice. There's always a danger with an outdoor party that the weather's going to ruin it. And I'll be honest with you, the weather on the French Riviera at that time of year is changeable. One minute, it's boiling hot. The next minute, there's a strong wind blowing. And the minute after that, it's showering down with rain. But luckily, it was a really pleasant evening, and it seemed like everyone enjoyed the party. 
a pleasant evening. The person who enjoyed the party the most, I think, was probably the guy that won the package, which was really cool. You know, they had us commentate this marble race. And I don't know about you, James, but like I stress out, like, how are we going to make this interesting? How are we going to, um, you know, make sure that you know, at a party, like everyone's paying attention to us. Everyone, you know, all the executives are there standing around with drink. Oh, go ahead, James and Joe, do your thing. Uh, and luckily, the guy who won his excitement was so palpable and so he was so happy to have won i think it really made it um and those f1 packages that are kind of going around i have i have not seen people into uh, a partnership like this in a long time okay so now comes the tale of two commentators right so neymar was in monaco for a few days playing some high roller events uh (laughs) playing some non-high roller events i think he leapt in a 550 event at one point neymar decided he wanted to come to the party as well and there was a vip area for him and his mates um at around midnight knowing that we had five long live streams ahead of us i left the party and went to bed joe decided he was going to stay up and go partying with the neymar crew Yes, I did. Well, I, it wasn't that I decided to do that. Is that I got invited to do that. And I was like, oh, when am I going to have this opportunity again? I don't know. You know, it's it's very rare that I'm even out at this point in general during our broadcast because, like, usually I'm in bed anyway. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out with the Neymar crew. I've been invited to hang out with the cool kids. Let's go. Uh, we went to Cafe Sass, had, like, a private room. I'll say this. I didn't make. I didn't speak to Neymar. I didn't make eye contact with Neymar. I partied with Neymar, as in like we were in the same, breathing the same air together. But I didn't really spend much time with him. The cool thing is that I did do like a lot of networking with poker players, and and it part of it is helpful getting guests right for this show is like socializing with people and being out with them, being able to say, Hey, you want to do the podcast? I think I got us a huge name for the podcast, by the way, coming up, uh, whenever we uh, scoop is over. So I don't, it's not Neymar. Uh, so, uh, (laughs) but I did have a really good time. And right as I was getting ready to leave, I I promised everyone on the broadcast that I had a Will Kasuf story. And basically, I don't know, like, 2.30 2.30 as I'm like, God, I get the fuck out of here. Will Kasuf comes in. He's like, oh, 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 you know, doing his Good thing. Good impersonation. And um, he is, it's one of those situations where like, no one's really taking photos, um, especially of Neymar, right? Like, you're not supposed to like sneak a photo of Neymar. You're not supposed to ask Neymar for a photo. Um, it's classless Will, Will at best. Right. And Will to my knowledge, didn't do that. I'm not saying he did that, but he was going around and like grabbing people by the, by, by I'm saying by the neck, but like, you know, like a, an arm around the neck and, and, and more or less forcing them to be in photos with him. Just not Neymar. So eventually he's like, stapes, stapes, stapes. We got a photo, stapes, 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 photo, 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 photo. And I'm like, Oh, I don't like, I, I don't want to be photographed at this time of night. I don't want people really to know I'm out at this time of night. I'm just kind of trying to do my thing. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like begrudgingly in a photo with him. And then about five days after the event ends, he posts these photos of us amongst a bunch of others. Yep. And one of his friends commenta- comments, oh, look at Stapes getting in on your photos. <laughs> and Will replies with like the big crying laughing emoji of himself as if to agree with the fact that I was the one 
cloud chasing him when he had to drag me from my fucking seat to be in this photo that I didn't want to be in the first place. And now I'm being made fun of by his friends for photobombing his fucking photos. Honestly, Get the fuck out of here. I know you love attention, Joe, but sometimes you just got to leave these people alone. If Will Kasuf <laughs> wants to take a photograph of himself, you don't need to be in it. I didn't want to try to be in it. I didn't want to be in his photo. <laughs> oh, bless him. Uh, so, yes, post-party, we streamed the Super High Roller. We streamed the main event. Um, we said at the time, and I'll repeat again, the structure of the main event, and it's a day shorter than some of the other stops on the tour, like Prague and Barcelona, because traditionally we haven't seen that many players in Monte Carlo. It is an expensive destination to get to. Um but of course, with the absence of live poker for so many years, everyone was eager to play. We had a thousand plus players. There weren't enough days to play it. So yeah. we had to play more levels every single day. And at least it was a fun event to follow. At least we had the usual storylines of former champs going deep. We had Ramon Kalilas go deep and just miss out on a seat at the six-handed final table. And even though you could look at the six players who made the final day and say, I don't know who any of these people are, that was part of the appeal for me. Because so these fun. six players, I guess you could say they were relative newcomers to the major live circuit. They were absolutely thrilled to be there. And you could tell when we spoke to all of them before the start of play, of course it's about the money. But winning an EPT, lifting that trophy, having that accolade, genuinely genuinely meant something to all of them yeah i mean you, you absolutely if you go back and watch the the interviews which i assume will get rolled into the tv coverage when that you know when the shows get cut down yeah. you'll be able to see them again there uh we had a, a kid that was like heir to a a, a drug a, a family drug company he was like i don't want to do that i want to be a poker player and then we had a guy who was uh like a like a business analyst or a finance guy who was uh kind of uh, playing hooky from work a little bit. There was a father of five who was, uh, his kids thought he was on a work trip. There were people with like real stories and, you know, definitely had never been there before, uh, especially when it came down to our winner, yeah. uh, who was a Brazilian dude who uh, had everything you could possibly want had the celebrations, had the passion, had the rail, had the people running around singing songs. Um, it was just, uh, again, a, a lot of it was probably that we we missed everything about poker, uh, about live poker, but we really got all of the stuff we love all at one final table. And I know that some people find those celebrations and the behavior of the rail excessive, inappropriate. Nah, it's so awesome to see some genuine emotion being expressed. And this was not meant to be kind of trying to rile his opponents or in any way denigrating them. No. This is about his success. And it was great to have Andre on the rail for the winning moment. Uh, his friend who won the FPS main event at the start of the festival. And yeah, this is history. Brazil has never won an EPT until now. And when you consider how dominant a force Brazil has been in online poker, and we'll talk about that in a moment when we get to <laughs> scoop, it's incredible that they've yet to cut through on the European Poker Tour. Now they have. And this guy, you could tell there were going to be some big celebrations that night. Definitely. I mean, look, his good friend had just won the, the FPS main event. This is actually a really funny moment, James. You weren't in the booth for this. So the camera cuts to his rail 
and they're I think when it's heads up or maybe three handed, and they're already lifting the trophy. They're like passing the trophy around back and forth. They're holding it up. I'm like, that's not cool. How they get the trophy? Like, is there any security down there? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> wow, they fuck. Jesus Christ, put the trophy down, guys. It's not yours yet. And then. I, it's like, ah, uh, Joe, that's the FPS trophy. He won that earlier this week. That's not that's not the trophy for this. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Sorry. My bad. Didn't mean to falsely accuse anybody. Uh, and speaking of the rail, that night on the rail, we had uh, my mom. This my was mom so was awesome. awesome. Because obviously we showed her during the live stream. She made the closing montage as well. And I just think it's wonderful that you invited her out so she could actually see what you do and see yeah. one of our events. I guess... I never got a chance really to talk to her properly about what she made of it all. Yeah. She was texting me from the rail. So yeah, my mom, as you guys know, is from France and uh, like many people hasn't seen her family in a long time because of uh, the pandemic, because of even a few years before that, it's been a while she's been there. So I said, why don't you come out? We'll share a hotel room for a couple nights. Um, you come out and uh, hop. I wanted to be there for the final table. I didn't even realize how incredible, by the way, we haven't talked about this yet, how incredible the set was going to be um, and what a, what a, just a, a, a marvel, honestly, that it is. So she got to come out, hang out on set. I thought to myself, hey, what's the, what, I mean, go, go, like, spectators are open, right? Like I'm not really even pulling strings for my mom to just go be on the rail like literally any person could do it. How much trouble can she get in? Well... <laughs> After the crew was awesome, everyone was really sweet to her. Put her on TV. Gary cut her in the into the the closing credits, which was really nice. But eventually, I get uh, Joe. Your mom's asleep on the rail right now. Your mom, your mom's asleep on the rail. So my mom's asleep oh, in the background. Her. First of all, second of all, when um, Samoa's wins and I go down to the to the floor to do the interview. There, uh, JR, our camera guy, is following his crew out of the room. Somehow, my mother had done like the old lady thing where she like got in front of them and was going where they were going. So, like, she's in the shot, like, the entire shot of them being followed out of the room because they can't get around her. And so, I'm just like, oh, it turns out she can get into a little bit of trouble. Um, so that that night, I went out and had kind of a big celebration with some of the members of our crew. We went to like a really cheesy club uh, down in the marina in Monte Carlo, and I, I bought drinks for a lot of the people who worked on uh, on staff who worked so hard all week. And I got back to our hotel room about five o'clock in the morning, and we were being picked up by members of my French family to take us on a drive about two and a half hours away to see her family. So. Get picked up by my cousin, Celine, and Celine says to us, look, guys, I told uh, our cousins that we're coming over for lunch, but I didn't tell them you're coming for lunch. Uh, they think it's just me and, and my daughter who are coming, so you're a surprise. So when we get there, I want you guys to, like, walk in and just, like, surprise everybody. What she didn't tell us is that she had invited the entire side of my mother's family to that lunch as well. And didn't tell us. Wow. So basically, she was surprising them and surprising you. Correct. And so when we got there, I walked in expecting just to see like my aunt and uncle. But I see four aunts, four uncles, 10 cousins, nieces and nephews. And no fewer than five people burst into tears when they saw me. They hadn't seen me in about 10 years. 
and people cried and there was like it was like hugging and kissing and um and my uncle makes wood-fired pizzas and um that's what it's like his thing that you know it's like come over for pizza on sunday i forgot that pizza is an appetizer in europe and so i had like eight pieces of pizza and they're like okay now it's time for the main chorus i'm like excuse me what so it was pizza and wild boar and lamb and uh and then salad comes at the end because they're fucking weird over there and cheese (laughs) and then three different kinds of dessert came out and i'm just like i'm just like i've had like a bottle of wine i was out till five o'clock in the morning and it was truly james you know i'm not a sentimental person about family i don't really give a shit about family stuff i like to do nice things for my family but like i don't care to spend time with them this was like the like one of the most joyful lovely as just felt the love of being around family unlike i have in a really long time so the the whole thing from the poker to the visitation all of it was just like a really really magical trip to be back i'm glad that you got to have a little bit of a holiday at the end of it because of course to (laughs) quote the classic cliche no rest for the wicked uh as soon as monte carlo was done and dusted as soon as we were back scoop started Okay, we are pretty much halfway through the 2022 Spring Championship of Online Poker. And from our perspective, four streams down, six to go. And we will be back on Monday, the 23rd of May. Uh, We are going to stream a Titans event finally, having done a switcheroo last week. So it's going to be the 5K Titans PKO. The Sunday Million Special Edition, I think for the second week running, it's a 5.30. Might be a PKO this week. And then we have a 10K Super Tuesday High Roller. And then we're going to close out the series the following week, the last week, with the last three days of the No Limit Holden main events. This is a 10K buy-in. They'll come back on the Monday, play through the bubble. On the Tuesday, they'll play down to the final table. On the Wednesday, they'll play down to a winner, and all three days we'll get to cover that. And I think we've said before, Joe, when we've covered Scoop and W Coop, this is the closest we come with an online series to doing like EPT style coverage. Yeah, I mean, three days of the, of the main event. I'm actually pretty excited about that. Like, I, I like, obviously, look, when we're putting in all the hours and we're doing three days a week of coverage, it's nice to do a six handed final table that's over in a couple hours. Uh, you know, those those Sunday million streams where we play down from like 110 players or, you know, 170 players down to the winner, they can be a little bit of a grind. This is cool because I like seeing various stages of the tournament. I think sometimes if you're trying to learn poker, if you're trying to like see what good players do, only watching final table stuff isn't really a great cross section of like how to behave the rest of the tournament. So the last three days should be really fun to watch. Yeah, and you just referenced the fact that the final tables have all been pretty short so far. I guess making up for what we went through in Monte Carlo. Uh, suffice to say, we're probably going to get our asses bitten in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but as you referenced at the start, Joe, so many tournaments have been played. We've only been able to stream four of them. So let's talk about what else has happened in Scoop. Let's summarize the key stats. Let's talk about the stories of the series so far with our Scoop correspondent. He's got the looks, he's got the brains, he's Howard Swayze. Okay, Howard, we'll start where we normally start. Headline stats, please. 
Yeah. And last night we went past the half a million for entries. So there have been 500 to 82. Sorry, that's Wednesday night, of course, uh, with 125,047 re-entries. That means prize pools of 36.5 million and first place payouts of 6.066 million. Uh, and that is through 140 completed tournaments. So it's going pretty well. Yeah, I was off. I was off. I was over. I was exaggerating in the intro saying like 70 tournaments down and I was off by more than half. (laughs) But also, I've been saying we're at the halfway point and simple mathematics tells you if there are 318 tournaments on the schedule and 140 have been completed, we're not quite halfway there yet. So those numbers are going to get even more ridiculous, especially when you factor in the main events fall at the end of the series. Uh, Mm. How you reference Wednesday night. That's when we watched Rodrigo Celoan win the super high roller. Um, What else happened while we were streaming that? Uh, well, we had another double champion, Vlad Dari, the Romanian guy, Dari Poker. Uh, so he's now won a 5.30 no limit and a 2K. Uh, he's one of numerous double champions that we'll get onto later. And But I think the most interesting win was this guy, Thomas Gazelnius. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but he plays as Lucky Mo 32 online. Uh, and that's interesting because of what Finton Hans said on his stream. So he asked, when Finton won his third scoop, he said, yeah. are there any other Irish players who could match the three scoops and Gazelnius uh, you can probably tell from his name is not Irish by birth he's from Lithuania but he is based in Ireland and has played from Ireland for years he lives there uh, and so and he has three scoop titles at that point that Finton said that he had three scoop titles now the thing was Gazelnius went the very next day and won another scoop title so Ooh. he moved to four so if you like, he is representing Ireland and he now has four scoop titles. His most recent one won on Wednesday night. Uh, he's now moved ahead of Finton. I'll let them scrap it out as to whether or not he's Irish, but he is based in Ireland. He's won all the events playing from Ireland and he has four to Finton's three. I think when you consider that two of Finton's scoop wins were from Malta, <laughs> it all balances out. That is very true. That is very true. I mean, I did. I would agree. We don't. We don't really want to get in. We don't really want to get in an argument over Finton telling a guy from Lithuania he's not really <laughs> Irish, right? Like you're not. We don't need to get into that whole thing. Well, Finton did take a photograph of himself clutching a Guinness in the pub immediately after winning. And as far as I know, Gazelnius hasn't done that yet. So maybe that uh, <laughs> qualifies uh, qualifies it for Finton. I mean, that's the thing. You have to go down the road of cultural stereotyping before you are considered to be <laughs> properly Irish. Um, Howard, I remember when we talked to you about W Coop and Scoop last year. And look, you've been working in the poker world as long as I have. And it's very easy to become cynical and jaded. But you said the thing that keeps bringing you back and the thing that you always marvel at when you look at these online series are the incredible accomplishments that we see and these achievements that almost seem impossible. And here we are, and Scoop 2022 has delivered more of them. Double champions, multiple winners. It's How many double champs, for example, have there been now? Yeah, it's true. We've got six already. 
the uh, so Vlad Derry, who we just mentioned, a guy called Mozilla PL from Canada, uh, Andres Vega, that nutshell guy from Chile that yeah. you covered one of his events, Pinguino from Brazil, Gabriel Bolero, uh, the drunk life from Hungary, James Wittich, and Ermi, that's Ami Barra from Canada. So six so far. Um, that, and we've also had quite a few uh, players that have you know won one and finished second or come second and third, that kind of thing. Uh, we we kind of often get up to around sort of like 13 to 15 double champions. So that's looking kind of likely. And we, we sometimes Sorry, Howard, get- when you say, just just to, because sometimes I screw this up too, when you guys say double yeah. champion, you mean two wins in the same scoop? Yes. Or, uh, uh, in, okay. in, the, in this yeah. series. Exactly, Got yeah. And, and yeah, that's a good point because, uh, you know, we sometimes get triples actually we sometimes get someone who wins three in the same series there are a bunch of players obviously that have won double scoops or, or you know scoops more than once you know throughout their careers but uh we're talking specifically here about ones who do it in the same in the same series yeah i mean to move on to those guys that have won like tons yes. of career wins uh i mean benny glazer for instance is now up to seven he's won a scoop uh at least one every year for i think three or four years now i, I forget now but i wrote that in the yeah, in the piece uh Ola Shemian, he's got five um ami bar has now got four patrick leonard we're going to talk about him later i know he's got six so you know these guys just keep coming back and back and winning and winning over and over again yeah and you mentioned fenton we should also mention Ramon, but also the fact that Mason Pye made two final tables. Uh, Georgina James made her first ever scoop final table. It's good to see that it's not just the high events, but also in the medium and the lows as well, where we're seeing uh, the red spade well represented. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been pretty good for Red Spades this time. I mean, I know they, uh, <clears throat> you know, there are possibly fewer these days than there have been in the past, but they're all doing really well. Uh, yeah, Sam keeps making good deep runs. Spraggy does as well. I mean, he keeps running big hands into other big hands and, and tweeting about it. But, you know, he's doing pretty well. Lex is doing well as well. He's, he's always got good day twos. Uh, yeah. And as you mentioned, Ramon Kalilas won his first. Uh, Mason made those two finals in the stud. Uh, and GJ Reggie uh, made her first final. So, yeah, it's been very good for the red space. Yeah. Um, we just were looking back at Monte Carlo. We talked about Brazil's first ever EPT main event win. Uh, and we referenced the fact that Brazil always crushes our online series. And this is just bit. They came out the gates maybe a little bit slowly. But, I mean... Is it a three to one lead or two to one lead they now have at the top of the country's leaderboard? Yeah, I, I kind of was joking when I said they're going to have three more, three times as many as their nearest competitors, but that's exactly what they did on. So by Wednesday, they had 33 tournaments and their closest <laughs> challenger was the UK with 11. So exactly three times as many. I mean, they're averaging sort of like four titles per night now. You know, they, <laughs> oh they, they've God. lost. <laughs> they, they didn't win any on the first night, but then they've had a couple of nights where they've won five, one where they've won six. And so like, if they win two in a night, that's kind of a bad night. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's mad, really. And like, as usual with Brazil, you know, they're winning the lows, the mediums and the highs. They've got some really, really good high stakes players. And then they've just got the masses who are really good at the, the low stakes, too. Um, I mean, we've got had a good show from lots of other countries. 32 different countries have won them, you know, uh, yeah. Chile, Estonia, Montenegro, Croatia, a load for Argentina this time. But Brazil are in a league of their own. They really are in terms of numbers and in terms of quality. They're, they, they're just absolutely crushing it. 
Yeah. So finally, let's talk about Patrick Leonard, because when we spoke to you on the stream on Wednesday, uh, you raised the fact that he's now made an appearance at the top of the leaderboard uh, player of the series race. He leads that currently. Um, I'm assuming, though, it's not a done deal. We just said there's still more than half the series to go. So it could be that there's someone who's not even on that rankings chart yet who makes a late surge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's always possible. And I wouldn't at all think it's, it's a done deal at all because, you know, there's a lot of these players that you, you kind of, they just keep making final tables. They might not necessarily keep winning. What Patrick does have in his favour is he plays everything. And we say that every year. In order to win these player of the series, you have to play a lot. And he plays all the buy-ins, he plays all the games, and he does very well at them. Uh, this guy, Pre-Move, who was, who was winning at the beginning, he's another one who plays everything. There's a guy called Fonbet Roulette. He's always on these boards. Uh, yeah, but if anyone puts together a really good like little run, they could they could overhaul pads. Uh, it's it's definitely definitely not a done deal there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, as ever, Howard, thank you very much for being a part of the show today. I know you're going to join us on the live stream and on the podcast uh, at the end of the series as well. But I would urge everyone that whilst we're not actually broadcasting, that you do check out Howard's daily updates on the PokerStars blog. Everything you need to know in one easy, digestible, easy to read place. Uh, but thanks for today. Cool. Speak to you soon. See you later. Thank you, Howard. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we mentioned Finn's third scoop victory on Monday night. And in case you guys missed it, James Griffin and I spoke to him on the live stream right after his win. We were just saying, Finton, that you won your first in 2020, your second in 2021, your third in 2022. You've now basically set yourself a challenge where every single scoop you have to win a trophy. I'm completely okay with the pressure of that. It is... Uh... <laughs> It's unbelievable. Like uh, I, I dreamed obviously of winning one scoop three years ago, broke the duck, and uh, every year now has just gone so well. And it keeps feeling better. I don't know how much better it can feel than this, but maybe it's a little bit more special because I'm at home and in a couple of hours when I finish my last few tables, I'm gonna go get to spend some time with family, which is something that I've just never got to do before. But um, it feels great. It feels top class, and uh, I'm absolutely chuffed. That's actually something I wanted to ask, Fintan. Is <clears throat> is there something especially um, just, uh, I guess, gratifying about this particular event, about the way that you played, about the class of players you were playing with? Is this, you know, does this feel like one of the biggest accomplishments you've, you've had in poker? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I'm well aware that some of the players on that final table were far more accomplished. And um, if they had have had the stack that I had going in, they would have made my life absolutely miserable. But I managed to just put some pressure on with the big stack and run well in some huge spots. Like, I'm not going to pretend that it was all skill. Like, I got very, very lucky a few times, not only just with hitting cards, but with just big coolers. And it feels great to get it done. Um, even with the massive chip lead, I wasn't like overly confident I was going to win. I always backed myself to give it a shot, but. Uh, it just went so well. It was one of those runs that when you picture the perfect dream run that people talk about, mm. that was it. Everything went my way pretty much from start to finish. And it was outrageous. Like I, I, I can't imagine how much those regs hate me with all the way I was hitting hands when I was just shoving and making <laughs> sets. It was just silly carry on, but top class. So I'm not going to complain at all. No one ever won a poker tournament without getting lucky at least once. But also, from what we were sensing and from what we were hearing from the people watching your stream, Fenton, you also were making some really solid reads. It seemed like yeah. you were very much in the zone this evening. I think, right, so every single hand I play, I just call an opponent's hand. And I'd say 
999 times out of a thousand you don't get it no one thinks about it but it seems like today i just called one perfect suit and called one perfect hand and i just looked like a genius and i was zoned in but really i just picked a few hands out of like narrow ranges and happened to get it perfect but uh top class just delighted and obviously we've referenced a few times what happened last year the power failure losing the end of the stream and of course it doesn't take anything away from the achievement but this is so much more special though the fact that you can actually share that with your community share it with your audience in the moment yeah no 100 uh with the audience with everyone that watches every day and then just i'm gonna go over to my mom's and have a cup of tea and that's how i'm gonna celebrate and i'm also very grateful that uh my fiance did not go into labor because she's about six or seven days away and it could have happened during the final table and i would have had to play <laughs> it on exactly, my phone that's in the, the hospital. only way you can top it finton this was a we clean win the next that. one you gotta have h go into labor while you're at a final table playing from the from the delivery room it's, it's that's the only achievement you have yet to unlock in your disaster streams yeah I, I am i am a walking disaster and i can see it in the comments that people are telling me my mic is making some echo and i apologize for letting you down on that front james i'm very sorry i don't know what happened you're but fine. thank you so much for calling you're a me winner. Out, man. thank you thank you so much for uh always being so generous with the words that you have to say for me when i make these final tales. i know you're kind of contractually obliged to say them but i still appreciate them yeah i mean it's, it's, it's all bs it. i don't mean any of it but uh <laughs> no. No, in, in all seriousness Vincent, congratulations once again and look I, I i hope we don't have to wait until 2023 to have this conversation again there's still a lot of poker to be played over the next two weeks so here's to number four in the next few days i'm gonna give it my best thank you so much that was easy with aces talking to us after taking down the sunday warm-up for 120k and this is Scoop 2022 champion Tobias Lechner, a.k.a. Senkel92. Tobias, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. I, I'm super, like, it, thanks for making it so easy to get you on the show. Sometimes when I talk to players who are uh, as successful as you are, I'm like, they're not going to want to talk to us. They're busy. They they got bigger fish to fry, but you're you're very nice and friendly. And I'm always so surprised, like, when, when I... I can see you, and you're just—you're just like a lovely, friendly person. You're not a killer at all. Thank you very much. Um, I'm trying to build up a mixed community in Norway, and I've been uh, interacting a lot with uh, PyFace Poker's uh, community, and we try to be <laughs> nice human beings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, quite ironic then that you found yourself heads up against Pi for that stud trophy. What spoiler alert became your fourth scoop title? Um, I guess if Mason was going to lose out on a scoop, I guess he'd rather it be to you than anyone else in the Bix Games community. Yeah, hopefully he took it with um, not too hard feelings. Uh, it was a fun heads up for sure. And um, we battled for a pretty long time. Uh, so um, it was cool to finally take one down after a couple of seconds, this uh, scoop. Yeah, so uh, speaking of playing against Mason, no offense to him, but, you know, it's Scoop, and you could have been playing against someone that's had nearly as many Scoop titles as you, and you end up playing someone with, we'll just say, less. Uh, is that a bit of a relief to know that you're heads up against someone that you probably have a little bit more experience against? I wouldn't say it's a relief, but for sure, I had a heads up in the 2K horse against uh, Benny Glazer, and yeah, I, I guess you could say it was a bit tougher opponent, like he's harder to... Um, to run over for sure and Pyfest Poker I know a lot because he's been streaming and so on but it was definitely not an easy opponent so um, uh, I just had to try and make the best out of it and this time it worked out 
Yeah, because of course, a few days before your fourth scoop win, you highlighted the number of second place finishes you've had in scoops. Ten, I believe, is the number. Do you think you hold the record? I said I was approaching 10. I don't believe it's quite 10. I think it's like eight. And I had uh, also a couple of seconds during uh, Dolphy Cube uh, last uh, autumn. But yeah, it's uh, definitely getting up there. Uh, since the highest number of scoop title is 10, I believe eight should be a um, high competitor for <laughs> most second places. <laughs> and So just to pick up on what Joe was saying about surprise that you agreed to do this, I'm always surprised when anyone can take time out of their playing schedule to do anything else right because it is a grind if you're playing all these events every day for three and a half weeks it takes its toll and the last thing you want to be doing is the distraction of other stuff in poker it's exhausting for sure this uh three and a half week with scoop and i'm trying to grind it out every day so i'm definitely not <laughs> not an easy schedule but uh, tomorrow is a free day and um that's yeah, true I'm gonna be fresh for today i believe so um it's nice to come on and get to talk about uh, mixed games and stuff like that. So when you uh, let's talk about those second places for a second. When those happen um, emotionally, it, are you happy? Are you frustrated? Is it both? Like, what are you feeling when when those things happen? For a lot of us, finishing second would be like the best thing we've ever done. Um, so I'm just wondering, as someone that t- definitely has the potential to win, what what goes on mentally? Uh, it's. Um a two-sided um, thing, for sure. Very um, happy to be at the final table and getting heads up is always um, huge. Uh, but in these small mixed events, uh, you get at final tables more and you get heads up more. So, of course, uh, being able to close them is a big part of it. And uh, a lot of people in rate comes from it. So, like, I had a pretty rough streak with second places. So, I, I wasn't too happy and I, I'm glad it ended. But, um, like, getting um, heads up is, of course... Um, a big part of it, so I cannot be too disappointed anyway. So we've established that you are a mixed games player and clearly a mixed games enthusiast. Do you think there is ever a chance that the mixed games community can ever be something other than a niche within a niche? Can it break through or is it a case of just trying to spread the word to maybe five or ten more people? Uh, it will never be like the largest uh, game spread, but if you look to Norway now, it's like getting um, insanely huge. Uh, we had a Norwegian Championship in Dublin in yeah. um, April, and the 800 Euro 8 game there got 142 runners, all Norwegians. That's pretty wow. good numbers. That is impressive. Um, and if you see like all the um, mixed events on stars, Norwegians are like one fifth of the field, and we're a really small country. So like we managed to spread it very widely here. And I think a lot of players are trying it out now. I know it's on Saturday, it's going to be a um, low buy in the scoop eight game event. It's going to be full of Norwegians and probably a lot of others as well. So I, I think it's possible, but for sure it's, um, it's a doorstep to, uh, you have to come over to try them out. And I remember myself like seven years ago, was thinking, hmm, holding is enough. <laughs> it's uh, hard enough to be good at one game. Um, to be good at eight multiple games, it's um, it's tough, but um, you just got to try it out and you'll soon find out it's not that difficult. So what is the appeal of mixed games to you? Is it uh, just having your own thing or is there something about it that you that you actually find that you like better than the than the, you know, the board games or the, the Hold'em games? So I, I expanded to mixed games uh, mostly post uh, Solver era. And I think that's, uh, big part of it because uh, I'm 
really enjoying trying to solve games myself and um, just like um, going to spots um, more um, by my own head and like solving it um, more on a hobby level than using uh, software. Uh, so being able to like uh, have a couple of study friends and sitting on Discord and discussing and finding out um, new stuff and just calculating with our own brute force uh, our way through spots is very, very interesting. So you kind of like the challenge of it is 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 what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what I kind of find interesting in poker these days is that um, uh, we started getting these solvers and people just looked at them and, okay, let's just play like them. Um, but now more and more people are mixing it up and seeing like, okay, solvers gives us these uh, strategies, but you can also play uh, very similar strategies that are close or uh, similar in EV. And then you can maybe try to figure out your own strategies and uh, apply strategies that are harder for uh, opponents to uh, meet. And I think we do this as well in mixed games. We try to find out different ways to play that might be not better, but since opponents might play poorly against it, it can work out really nice. So what's your background, Tobias? You're one of those people who fell into poker at a young age and never looked back, or did you have a career at some point? Yeah, more or less. Uh, I studied economics in Oslo, um, took my bachelor degree, and then um, there was a semester start at uh, the same time as EPT Barcelona. So I thought, let's go to EPT Barcelona. And uh, then uh, studies became less and less important. And I had some success around the poker tables. And suddenly I found myself going full-time for poker. So it sounds like it was pretty easy to become a pro. Has it been difficult to stay a pro? Or has that just been smooth sailing? It's uh, has never been easy, and um, I've for sure run good in some important spot. Um, being able to be a pro, and of course, living in Norway, uh, you have very many uh, uh, many other good options than being a poker pro, and you have a, a high average uh, income in Norway usually. So, um, uh, if you want to compete with that, you need to do pretty good at poker. And I, I have never like gotten any rich by playing poker, but I'm having a good life and enjoying um, the challenge every day. And yeah, very happy to be able to live out playing my uh, favorite game. So when you're um, not playing poker, what do you consider having a good life? You're a restaurant guy. You like to take trips. What's uh, what's a non-poker good life? No, for sure, like uh, be, being able to travel and play poker, having um, uh, good dinners at good restaurants is a huge part of it. Uh, that's always fantastic. But um yeah, just being able to not uh, have an alarm set every morning and uh, being able sure. <laughs> to, whenever I want, to take the time off to be with my girlfriend or hang out with friends. Um, yeah, you have a lot of freedom that comes with it, but it's also like you need to structure your own days and it's can be hard in the, from time to time to um, uh, always be on the grind and uh, put in the work. So we've still got the better part of two weeks to go in this series. Um are you looking beyond that? Do you know plans for the rest of the year, online and live, or is it a case of let's see what happens at the end of Scoop? Uh, yeah, first uh, Scoop, and then in this summer I'm gonna get married, so that's for sure a highlight. Oh, for that. oh hey! <laughs> um, and then uh, probably gonna be a pretty easy summer, and then I'm looking forward to EPT Barcelona. Uh, you know, just yeah. Well, we will I can't be believe there. we're going to get Tobias at EPT Barcelona after he's broke from his wedding. I mean, what do you, are you, are you, gonna have to, you have to grind the satellites. True, uh, true. 
look, hopefully we'll see you in Barcelona in the summer. But ahead of that, Tobias, good luck with the rest of Scoop and, uh, and good luck with the wedding. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much. Before we peace out for this week, let's do this week's Superfan Quiz and introduce this week's Superfan, Jordan McKnight. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, thank you. Where in the world are you? I live in Kelowna, British Columbia, actually. If you've ever heard of that, it's near Vancouver. It's like four hours east of Vancouver. Another Canadian superfan. We love it. Does anyone ever take British Columbia literally and think it's like a Latino English colony? Um, I can't say that I've ever heard that, um, but that does sound like a Joe Stapleton thing to say for sure. It's been a long time. I've not, I've not ever made that joke. I probably should have earlier. It makes, <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense to have done it at this point in my life. I do have a question about your name, though. Mm-hmm. Jordan McKnight sounds like if I was going to name a basketball player in a comic book, like maybe someone who gets <laughs> like a pair of magical shoes as a teenager and just razzle-dazzles, are you a bas- – it seems like you're a basketball person. Yeah, I uh, do play basketball, actually, or did. Um, played basketball in high school, won a championship with my team. I've coached for six years. Um, I love the game. I actually uh, don't really watch basketball anymore, though, uh, but or even really play. I play mostly volleyball now and other hobbies like poker and such, but – yeah, what turned you off for basketball? Why did you, uh, what, what made you stop being into b-ball? Um, honestly, it was just because uh, it's such an ego game uh, and people just have egos when they play and it's just so intense all the time and I'm just like pretty chill. I don't love that aspect of it, so yeah, As opposed I got to away poker. I was going to say, interestingly, you gravitate <laughs> to poker, a game where there are no egos at all. None at all, yeah. No, uh yeah, but at least, I don't know, basketball is just like physical and intense and uh, poker, not so much. Did you say basketball is actually your career or is coaching more of a hobby? No, no, no. Uh, coaching is a hobby for sure. Yeah. Just did it at uh, the high school that I went to, uh, coach senior girls basketball there actually. So. so what do you do to make a living? Do you work in information technology? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> uh, like many of your super fans, uh, I actually deliver packages for Purelator, which is like a courier company here. So I'm an owner operator for them. So drive around, throwing packages around. So I take it you probably don't have that much time to play poker. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, yeah. There's not too much time. It sucks right now because it's scoop and I'm working all the time. But um, yeah, I I, tr- I try and play poker whenever I can. Well, look, scoops once a year, but the Sunday Million is every week. And that's what we're going to give you the chance today to win a Sunday Million ticket worth $109. Uh, You have chosen the history of the NBA, uh, a quiz which I did outsource to Patrick as I do everything. I'll be honest with you, Jordan. I do like my North American sports. I love NFL. I'm a huge baseball fan. I can even watch the occasional ice hockey game. Basketball has never done it for me. I'm sorry. Shoot. Uh, I tried to pick something actually that I wasn't super well versed in because I don't know. I, I think people, when they pick their niche subjects and they just steamroll, it's uh, it's not as interesting. So I picked something that I'll be okay at, but not, not insanely good at. So, okay. 
Okay. Uh, well, let's see if it is a fair fight. We have 10 questions, some of which have bonuses attached, so I'll try and balance out the bonuses. Uh, Jordan, as our guest, as our super fan, please give me a number between 1 and 10. Uh, let's do 7. Always coming 7. So this does have a bonus attached. So, Joe, your next question, I'll only give you the options that are also bonus questions, okay? Okay. Question number 7. Which two teams were involved in the Malice at the Palace? Ooh. Uh, that would be the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers. Correct for two points. And the bonus question is, in which year did this brawl occur? Ooh. 2004. Correct for the bonus point. Three nothing. Okay, you know, Joe. I would have guessed 1970-something on that <laughs> one, so I'm pretty fucked here, I think. Uh, well, just so you know, the other questions with bonuses are nine, yeah. five, and three. Patrick, nine. Which U.S. state has the most NBA teams? Okay, my first instinct is to say California. I can't think of... New York has the Knicks, the Nets... California's got like Golden State. They've got. Uh, I'm gonna go with California. California for two points, and you know what the bonus is gonna be, don't you? It's name all four. Name all four. Okay. And I want We've city and team name, please. The Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. The Los Angeles Clippers. Yes. The Golden State Warriors. Yes. And the Sacramento Kings. Correct. Wow. Good job. Done. A full three points. So we have a tied game going into round two. Uh, seven and nine have gone. Jordan, any other question you can have? Let's do one. Question one. In which year was the NBA created? Hmm. Uh, 1946. Multiple. I was going to say multiple choice options are available, but you didn't need them. That is correct. You get two points. My guy Naismith, a fellow Canadian. Okay, James James A. Naismith. Come on, let's go. We can both flex about this if you want. <laughs> I was going to say, just be careful because you never know what question your opponent might get. Although, seems like Joe knew that one anyway. And also, it isn't a question. Uh, Joe, <laughs> which question would you like next? Question two. Uh, which two teams are tied with 17 NBA Finals wins? The Lakers and the Celtics. Correct for two points. It's five all maximum points scored so far. This is very, very exciting. I've run very good on questions. I can't think of another thing I know about the NBA, so I don't even know how I could get another question right. <laughs> uh, Jordan, which question next? What did he just take? He took two. Okay, I'll take three. Okay, what is the name of the current NBA commissioner? Adam Silver. Adam Silver for two points. And there is a bonus attached to this. So, Joe, you're automatically going to get question five because that's the last remaining question with a bonus. Uh, your bonus, Jordan. Who is the previous commissioner? David Stern. Correct for the bonus point. So, five, Joe. Which NBA player has won the MVP award the most times? Multiple choice options are available should you require them. God, I feel like if I take the multiple choices, it's going to be like the three names that are in my head are going to be on the list. All right, go ahead. I'll take the choices. Michael Jordan, yeah, LeBron obviously. James, yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Bill Russell? 
I think LeBron James has got it more at this point. My name is Roger Murdoch. It's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh. That means the bonus cool. goes to Jordan. That's How fine. many times has he won it? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say five. It was six. Questions remaining are four, six, eight, and ten. Two, four. What is the name of the player in the NBA logo? Mm. Um, why can't I think of this right now? He was a take, Laker. You can take the choices if you need them. Um, okay, it's gonna fine. Keep it, keep it competitive that you didn't get two here. <laughs> okay, so the choices are Jerry West, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, or Oscar Robertson. Jerry West. That's it is Jerry West I for a single point. Missing. You are up four, five. Sorry, up nine points to five right now. So you have a four-point advantage. But, Joe, it is your question, and you can take six, eight, or ten. Six. Which NBA player has the most assists of all time? I got to just guess without the choices, I think. And I remember there was a big assisty player in the 90s when I was growing up. But I don't know if there's like a, been a new assisty player since then. I'll take the choices. Is it LeBron James, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, or Steve Nash? John Stockton's what was in my head without the choices. I'm gonna go with Steve Nash. You should have stuck with your instincts. John Stockton ah. was the correct answer. Final question, eight or ten, Jordan? Uh, eight. What were the Oklahoma City Thunder called prior to 2008? Uh, the New Orleans Hornets? No, they were the Seattle Supersonics. So, Joe, final question <laughs> is question number ten. What number did LeBron James wear when he first came into the league? Number eight. It was actually 23. But <laughs> even if you got it right, it would not have scored you a win by a margin of nine to five, by four points. Jordan, you are the winner. You were conquered. And that means you will get that Sunday Million talk ticket and some PokerStars merch. Congratulations. Sweet. Thank you guys so much. That was fun. Good job, Jordan. And thank you for taking the time out of what sounds like a very busy schedule to join us today. Yeah, no worries. This, I will do this any day. You guys are great. Thanks, Jill. Uh, thanks, man. All right, my babies. That's just about all the time we've got for this week's show. Coming up next time, more from Scoop. Yeah. In fact, by the time we record the next episode, this series will be over. Yeah. That doesn't seem... Will it? It will be. Our next episode is not for two weeks. Oh, we're not doing one next week. A wake up. Yes, we'll have our <laughs> full on scoop recap. Maybe we'll hear from the main event winner, but we will certainly have the pleasure of Howard's company once again. I do love having Howard on the show. And in the coming weeks, I, I have a couple of really big names chambered up that uh, we will supposedly be able to get on the show. Yes. I'm just going to say, Joe, don't overpromise and under deliver. Our season finale is not that far off. We normally take a summer break once we yeah. get into early June. So it might be that we're banking some of these big names for when we come back strong in the autumn. 
Okay, fair enough. One way or the other, I think we're going to get them, though. We'll, once once it's locked in that we're going to record them, I'll yeah. announce who they are. And uh, do we need... What's going on with super fans? Uh, um, I guess we don't need many more. Well, the problem I've got is that I have someone penciled for the next episode, but Scott Brauner, they're not returning my DMs. They are ignoring the messages they're being sent about that date. So uh, we will see what happens in two weeks' time. All right, my babies, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Back in two weeks for James Harding, and this is Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.